Now, I've heard a, a phrase, and again, this week, I'm going to try as best I can to not have just a filler or throwaway lines. Everything I say, I want to really be sensing the presence of God and the anointing on it, and I would really appreciate your prayer. And if we finish early, would anybody be depressed or sad? And uh, I also really feel like today is a day to offer uh, prayer. So Lori and I and, and maybe some of our leadership team, if you have a need, if you need healing, if you need a word, if you need, uh, Angie, you're already in my mind for healing. I've got the anointing oil already queued up right here, you know. Why in the world I don't get stopped at airports when I have this little cylinder that looks like it would be filled with cocaine? I don't know, but they've never, they've never checked it. If they ever do, it's like, well, no, it's anointing oil. Do you need prayer? Mr. TSA guy, come on. So, <laughs> well, I'm riffing it now. Okay. Oh, shoo. So I, I really do want to just uh, focus on what I really feel is on God's heart for all of us. And this uh, theme is so critical. And in this season in particular for our church, Abiding Place, but also for the church. And, uh, uh, I, I want to start off by, you know, recognizing that, you know, we are called to love each other. We are called to serve one another, to take what we have been given and then use it for the benefit and the welfare of others, you know. And uh, so I love people who serve. I love foreign missions. But, you know, there's a reputation in foreign missions of what they call the God complex, People come from the United States, and they'll go to a foreign country, and I've seen this over and over, and guys, it's sadly kind of true, where we feel like, well, wait, we have the resources, and you have the need. You've got the questions, and I've got the answers. So sometimes people come with a heart to serve, but in reality, they're coming to serve out of a position of superiority, a position of, hey, I'm the one who is now giving to others, don't I look good and it's repulsive honestly and people can tell jesus didn't give charity jesus wasn't there to humiliate people because of their need he was there to set them free is that right and yet it's tricky our heart of serving others needs to flow out of a commitment and a genuine concern for their welfare for their benefit no ego no defensiveness, no reputation, no desire for acknowledgement, right? It's, it's very hard to know how to walk out a heart that's there to serve people and yet not lord it over them. And I think about Jesus coming to the earth, and this morning I was praying around this. You know, I don't know why I've never thought of this, but Jesus was and is the most powerful ruler, human being, who has ever walked the earth. All authority was already given to him in heaven and on earth. How did he use that authority? How did he walk in that power and that authority? Did he ever, isn't it funny they call it lording it over other people? He never had to. He was so secure in who he was that everything that he did wasn't about him. It was about the other. 
That's intriguing to me, but I also know that I don't live it and I don't walk in it the way that I want to. So the most powerful man with more authority than any other man led and served in a different way than the world is used to. So Matthew 20, 25 through 30 is what we're going to focus on. And uh, let me just, I'm going to read through the verse without comment to begin with, and then we'll just start to unpack it. So Matthew 20, 25 through 30. <clears throat> but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. The context of this passage is Jesus is talking about bondservants. You're a slave. And your masters are mistreating you. But serve. You know, not, it, guys, that's, that's a challenge. That's, that's crazy. Um, I, I, what this is all about is learning the grace of serving. What happens in our hearts when we learn, learn to put ourselves underneath somebody else's need. And by the way, the flesh doesn't like it. The flesh feels like, well, but now I'm inferior. Now I'm subordinate. Now I'm not in control. You know, now this other person is getting lifted up, is getting blessed. I don't know about you, but in me, I'm realizing there's still a battle. And I am so grateful. Um, I know Lori is so grateful for the opportunity to drive for Uber. Because think about it. We're glorified taxi drivers. We get people who appreciate it sometimes and people who don't appreciate it sometimes. We're there to just simply get people from point A to point B to keep them comfortable. And if they want to be quiet, we let them be quiet. If they want to chatter, we let them chatter. If they want to be strange, sometimes they're strange. But the reality is, it's, it's humble. I, I used to uh, feel the pressure to say things like they'd get in the car and really quickly I'd go, well, you know, I just do this part-time. I, I have a full-time job. I, just, I do this because I love it so much. I'm choosing to do this. Why was I saying all of that? I didn't want them to think I was just a taxi driver, that I was just there schlepping people around and doing it for the money. My heart was already kind of in a wrong place. And so for Lori and I, if I'm wrong, you correct me in front of everybody, as you always do. Um, <laughs> Oh, it took a while to get over the humility of being there to serve other people, to be a servant of theirs. It took a while to get my heart right to actually be there for that person's welfare, for their benefit, and for their sake. God gave us a tremendous gift. And I am such a slow learner. I've given over 4,000 rides for Uber. And I'm still learning how to serve well. And honestly, I think the greatest antidote for pride and for self-focus is learning to serve other people. It 
violates the arrogance of the human soul. It violates the pride that wants to, I'm special and I'm lifted up. And you are. You're already delightful to your father. You already have significance and purpose. You're already accepted and named among the beloved. What more do you want? But I want others to think well of me too. But what did Jesus say? The greatest among you is going to serve. Oh! By the way, um, I am not saying this because Abiding Place needs more volunteers to serve. I'm saying this because the church needs to learn to volunteer to serve. There's a difference. And when I was at my old position, um, early on, I remember we were at an elders meeting. It was maybe my first year after being ordained and they're having this discussion that's like, hey, you know, Pastor Jim, our counselor, he's overwhelmed, his schedule is too full, so you're, if one of you elders are willing, he would like to begin to train you and help take some of the counseling load, and if any of you feel led to do that. And I'm sitting there the whole time rubbing my hands like this, going, oh, man, well, I'm the new kid on the block. I'm not that arrogant. I know these guys would love to do that, so I'll let them volunteer first. I sat through the meeting for five, ten minutes. Nobody volunteered. I was shocked. And then I kind of reluctantly, well, I, I would like that. I, I, I'd like to learn how to counsel people. So I started in. Wednesday night was my counseling night. The first year I was taking people on Wednesday nights, I'd have three or four appointments a week. And at the same time, the Lord, I'd finally made my peace with needing quote-unquote secular work, which I don't believe in anymore. Everything is sacred. But I was doing my secular job. And God had so radically blessed me. And by the way, I had turned the job down twice because I'm a knucklehead. It was actually God's provision, and I didn't see it. So I was like, no, no, not interested. And then the guy talks me into having an interview anyway. Then he tells me about the job, and I turned the job down. And he goes, I didn't do a very good job explaining this. Let me do one more time. I was just like, this is crazy. I worked for a marketing firm. At that point, time, at times, we were making $100,000 a year, over 100000 a year, in uh, uh, a job where I had freedom to be able to do ministry as well, and I was getting professional recognition. And this was in the early 90s. That's a lot of money. In fact, it was so much money, we didn't know how to spend it. So uh, we gave it all away to the kingdom. No, we didn't do that. <laughs> I wish we had. I wish we'd had a more generous heart. But I, I had all that going on in my life. But Wednesdays, when I was doing what I felt called to do for the Lord, when I was there to serve other people, to learn to discern, is the anointing of the Holy Spirit on this time, are they hearing from God? Are they here? They're not here for my advice clearly. How can I get them to hear from the Lord what his direction is for their life? I'm hosting that. Guys, that was a tremendous learning season. But also what I noticed, Wednesday night was what made sense out of the whole rest of my life. All of the money and the marketing and the other work and the marriage and the children and the preaching and all, the, all that stuff was really good. But when I was serving other people, it brought an alignment into my life in every other area. It made me feel like I'm making an eternal contribution. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm getting a PhD. Lord, I need you more. I realize now I'm stepping out to do something for you where I need you to be a part of it. Can you, you, are you There's something in the heart of service that touches the very heart of God and the very purpose Jesus came to the earth. And then learning how to do it the way he did it. Not for identity, not for reputation, not for appreciation, 
but out of compassion for the well-being of another human being. Amen? So you're, you're all getting those sort of guilty look on your face like, okay, what are you building toward? Are you, do you need more ushers? Is this about children's ministry? I do not have an agenda. I just want to provoke in you a different heart, if I can, toward the area of service, practical service toward others in your life. It doesn't mean a position at the church necessarily. It can't. It doesn't mean a lot of what you might think. Um, I thought of an example that's just very, very practical. Um, when Alyssa was visiting this last month, which was incredible for us, Lori and I are still stunned at how encouraged we are and how much we love her, how much she loves us. It was, it was freaky. It was magic feeling. And, uh, but Alyssa noticed some of our routines. And so in the morning, I get up and I make the coffee and then I prep Lori's coffee and I bring her the cup and I set it on the counter and I do it almost every day. So then she's got her morning coffee and I've got my coffee for driving. And, uh, and then Lori, without ever, we never talked about it. We never made a decision to do this. Lori goes and preps the uh, elements for communion. So she gets the grape juice, she gets the cracker. By the way, Alyssa, while she was visiting, was a little hungry, raided our communion crackers and didn't realize, she ate half a box of communion crackers and Alyssa was like, oh, I didn't know you use them for that. I'm so sanctified now. But Lori serves me. Guys, it's so simple. It's such a practical... Uh, and then, you know, when she's done or when we're done, you know, I'll take a cup. Alyssa was... She noticed. It's like, Dad, you, you made a meal. You brought it to me in a bowl. We watched Bones together. We did our Bones dance during the... Uh, you know, I'm sorry. That's, maybe that's too much of an... Okay, I, I better clarify this a little bit. So, one of Lori's favorite shows was Bones. And uh, we started watching with Alyssa. But I don't know if you know the opening song, but I've always tried to imitate it, and I love that song. And so then Alyssa started to like the song. And before we knew it, Alyssa started doing a little move during the song. And then I came up with this hand gesture. So every time the song starts, the three of us, it was so ridiculous. We, we had a young adult in our house who looked so embarrassed for us. But, but we would laugh out loud. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Go, Lori. Yeah, see? And then Alyssa would like giggle just to, 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 so I would bring her food. And then when she was done, I would just grab the bowl and I know I'm not puffing myself up. I realized, man, this has become a default. I love to clean up after people. They don't have to get up and take care of their bowl. It's something practical I can do to show that I love. What are the practical things you can do to show those around you you care? You want to make their life easier. You want to take a little burden. It's everywhere. Opportunity. I'm excited. I'm like, God, I don't know how I had blinders on, but I missed so many opportunities to serve with excellence, to serve with a targeted uh, desire to see somebody feel blessed, for somebody to feel special, for somebody to feel honored. Why? There's a grace in giving that is incredible. Have you ever seen a new mom? You want to talk about finding a purpose other than yourself to love somebody who's all take and no give. Babies are rough. I smelled Solomon's diapers earlier today and the three of us were parting like, oh, well, that's up to you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Why don't you serve that baby a little bit? <laughs> oh, 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 it's just, 
service does so much for the person who serves. You know, it changes you. It heals you. There's an old phrase. If you focus on yourself, you're going to get depressed. If you focus on your circumstances, you're going to get stressed. If you focus on Jesus, you're going to find rest. Right? People who are self-focused, who are introspective, have you ever noticed? They're not happy people. People who are outwardly focused, who are focused on others, have a grace on their life. There's an empowerment. I, I believe there's even healing in service. You begin to meet the need of another person, and whether you know it or not, whether God tells you or not, it's like, hey, by the way, you know that arthritis that's getting started? Nope, it's not going to slow you down because your heart is to serve other people. I believe that. There is an alignment that happens in the kingdom when people have a heart to love and to serve others. <clears throat> it also brings a security, I believe. When you're... Hmm, what, hey, I have a great line. I've never heard this before. I'm so proud of myself. <clears throat> First and foremost, service flows from the heart. You can serve somebody and resent it while you're doing it. But if your heart is really, I'm doing this for them and for their sake, then your gift of service is unoffendable. More and more, as we're driving people for Uber and people who are having a bad day and people who are irritating and people who make our cars smell like marijuana for the next three rides, it's amazing we haven't been reported for being stoned because people get in our car and just waft all of So I roll down the windows, I put the air freshener back in, it's like, oh, Jesus, help them not think I'm the one smoking the pot. You know, There are people who do those things but when your heart is there to really serve them, you don't get offended about the inconvenience or the problems. Man, that's an amazing dynamic just in itself. I mean, I, and I've got to admit to you, I flip back and forth between resenting people for the problems they're causing in my life versus a holy desire for their welfare and their well-being and you know, for their benefit in my act of service toward them. <clears throat> but I want to win that fight. I want to improve. I want to grow. Who in this area? Who? Right, so finding your security, not even in what you do, but in the heart in which you do it, and coming underneath somebody else to lift them up. You, guy, well, okay, before I go there, I want to tell one story. I heard a story that Bill Johnson told, and he was with, I believe, the mayor of a city, and they're coming out of a store, and a man confronts the mayor and goes, hey, you're really messing things up, and I don't like this about you. And the guy just starts, and he was inappropriate even in the kind of accusations he was making about this public servant. And the guy was listening, and okay, well, what have you seen? And you know, what, how, how, how long have you felt that way? And he was like being very respectful to this person who was being aggressive toward him in public. And then... The mayor, he said, okay, well, thank you for letting me know your concerns. And the guy wandered off. And then Bill looked at him and said, why did you let him treat you that way? Why did you let him treat you disrespectfully? And I'll never forget, the mayor looks at him and says, well, because I can afford it. I can afford it. He could afford someone being disrespectful, venting whatever they needed to vent, because it wasn't touching his heart. He knew he was serving to the best of his ability. He was unoffendable. Because his identity wasn't in the thank you he was supposed to get or the appreciation somebody was supposed to show. Wow. Oh. 
I wasn't going to insert this, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but at one encounter I had with the Lord years ago, he, he, the last thing he told me, I mean, the, one of the, the third thing he told me in this series of things was that he loved me, which, by the way, is the message of the whole Bible. I love you, specifically, you personally, you eternally, you perfectly. I love you. I'm for you. It's a hard message to receive. We talked about that last week. But then he said that that was enough reason for you to love yourself. And I was going through a major crisis in my life, having an encounter with God, reminded of his love, but then for him to put my identity and security down on, and by the way, the person who knows me best, loves me most, and that alone is enough reason for you to love yourself. If somebody else freaks out on you, it's not supposed to shake your world. You're supposed to, oh, that's really sad that they're coming out of this place, Right? And I, I don't know if there's a better engine of getting into that place than having a heart of service toward other people. It just puts you on the right foundation when you're doing it out of the right place, out of a heart that's there to serve. <clears throat> so here's, here's what I want to do. I'm going to move through this kind of quickly. Um, I, I was thinking, how does this work with the gifts um, that God gives us. How does service, I know service is one of the gifts, but if you think about it, let's go to Romans 12. These are the motivational gifts. Sometimes they're called the gifts of the Father. These are way people are wired, the things that they want to do if they're operating in the Spirit in areas that God has enabled them. <coughs> and uh, it's Romans 12. I'm going to start at 6. It says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. What is the gift of prophecy about? It's serving the other person. It's speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring encouragement, edification, and comfort. Is it so you look like a prophet? Is it so people respect you as a prophet? For some it is. And that messes it up. But what if it's, Lord, let that gift of prophecy that you've put my motivational gift to be able to speak into people's lives to bring them into encouragement bring them into courage god i want that gift to serve others successfully if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching what is teaching about your prep time is it about the study you get to do is it because teaching makes you feel good and because you like to hear yourself talk teaching is about the other person you're bringing them into understanding. You're wanting to bring them into knowledge. You're wanting to awaken their life to the potential of whatever it is that you are teaching. It's, a, it's about service. I, I have never really thought of all of this like this before. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. You're exhorting someone else to serve them for their benefit. In the one who contributes in generosity. So if your gift is giving, you're not giving to yourself. <laughs> right? You're serving others with, with the generosity or the provision that you have. The one who leads, it says in my translation, with zeal. And another translation, it says uh, with diligence. So the one who's called to lead other people in any area of service, you're supposed to do it with diligence. And um, I've often thought about that because when you're serving others, you're put in a position of responsibility. What happens if you don't follow through? It doesn't just affect you. Now it's affecting other people. You're letting them down. 
And that's going to have a ripple effect and it's going to have other consequences. But then I did some study in a commentary this morning. And in this passage, it's not even just talking about serving in your gift of leadership well, but it talked about people who want the office, the gift of serving, leading others, because it looks like you have authority, because it looks like you're more mature, like you have arrived. So people want the gift but they some, in, in, in the early church, but they didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to actually do the serving. They just wanted the title. And that's why it says, do it diligently. If you're going to lead other people, lead! Serve them! You know, get out there and mix it up. Be about what you're called to do and do it with your whole heart. Do it with zeal. Do it with diligence. I hadn't thought of that before. And guys, how, how many of you have seen that? People in areas of responsibility, a workplace, the church, where they like the title. They just don't like the work. They don't like the serving itself. Man. Sure, do you need a mic? You want a, you want a stinky mic? Okay, we say it quick and I'll repeat it so it's on the tape. So when you're leading, you're leading in terms of example. Yeah. Yeah. I can't repeat all of that. So uh, next time you get a stinky microphone. Oh, but that was very, very good. Uh, by the way, I, I looked this up one time in Hebrew. What does it mean to lead? This is terrible. For years as a leader, and I, I love to see people find their position, a place they serve that God's going to anoint in their life. Because the grace that comes on their life is just, you can see it. It's night and day. It's right away. And so I love helping people find their place. And so I decided, well, as a leader, what, what does it mean in Hebrew to be a leader? And one of the definitions, one of the meanings just freaked me out. It's the one who is before the people. And so I've always respected people who are reluctant to have the microphone, who are reluctant to lead. I thought, oh, good, look, they're leading with humility. But the reality is, like Lori is saying, if you're called to lead, you're in front of the people. They are watching you. And by the way, what happens in a battle? It's the one in front who gets hit first. You know? And then everybody gets to watch. Hey, how do they do under stress? Hey, look at that. Oh, look at how do they deal with their fear? Because you're on display. You're, pro you're you know, prominently before the people. And hopefully, you're choosing to lead because you've got your PhD and you've learned how to depend on the Lord. Oh, poor, uh, hungry, and desperate. Yeah, ho. Oh. So um, let's see if we finished up this list. So in serving, teaching, generosity, zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What are, what are acts of mercy? It's serving other people, just taking care of their physical needs or whatever kind of needs they have. Um, I don't want to spend too much time in this, but I do want to go through 1 Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit, and think of it through the lens you can do further study later if you want. But for me, I want to pray around this. What does it look like, all of the gifts that God gives us, if, they're, if we realize it's for the welfare and the benefit of others? It is to serve with these giftings with excellence. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit, for each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, to the, one, uh, 
to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to the other the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. Wisdom and knowledge for someone else. It's, it's not talking about you having wisdom and knowledge for your own life. The Spirit has now given you a gift of wisdom or of a knowledge to awaken another person to his perspective for their life. How many of you, how many of you I'm curious, know that you have given a Holy Spirit-anointed gift of knowledge in the past when you prayed with somebody? Ah, wow. Oh, cool. Isn't it amazing? When they know that you couldn't know, when they know... <gasps> God is speaking to me about this, you know, and all of a sudden what happens? Their faith level takes off because they're not receiving a word from you. They know they're receiving a word from the Lord and he's going to empower them to receive it and walk in it. Isn't that it? Come on. And, And what is really the heart behind that? I want a person blessed. I want that person to hear from the Lord for their welfare and benefit. Hope the kids are okay. All right. Oh, so where am I? Okay, so we're talking about wisdom and knowledge and <clears throat> and according to the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, working of miracles, to another, prophecy, and to another, ability to distinguish between spirits. Every single one of those, if you think about it, is for someone else. It's a gift that God put in you for someone else's sake that you have to choose to walk in. And if you're walking in it for their welfare and benefit, God can empower and energize it and use it. And and by the way, when you're walking in that, how many of you have noticed how easy it is, the momentum that happens, the grace when you're walking in a gifting? Lori and I, when we're in Tokyo, we'll have a line of people out the door. We'll pray for three hours. And we've already been up for a while and we've already had worship and we've already preached. But there is a grace, a momentum when your heart is to bless other people. I mean, now when we get back home, we unravel, you know, like a beanie baby. But in, 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 in the moment, man, there's just this empowerment because it's for the welfare and the benefit of others. And distinguishing of spirits, we don't talk about a whole lot here. But I used to know a a lady at the church where I was a youth pastor, and she had one of the most prominent gifts of discerning, distinguishing of spirits of anybody I've ever known, a genuine Holy Spirit gift. And it was funny, I would watch Marie walk into the church, and I would literally see people like, oh, it's Marie. They would turn. (laughs) Well, they they didn't want her distinguishing anything about them. And then one day I saw her start coming into the sanctuary, and this little, ooh, wait, what if she sees a bad creature on me, you know? And, and I, I almost turned away, and I thought, wait a minute. If it's a genuine gift, and there's something going on that's not from the Holy Spirit, but it's a spirit I don't want, I want her to see it, you know. I want to know so I can get set free. And I actually was able to just, like, turn my little head and heart. Hey, Marie, how are you doing? Did you see anything? I, you know, I mean, <laughs> because the gift is for our benefit. It is for our welfare. That's pretty cool, actually. It's a funny story. I haven't told that one in a long time. Oh, so did we exhaust this list yet? To another, oh, and to another, various tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. Well, obviously, the first time tongues was poured out at, at Pentecost, what was it for? It got everyone's attention. How are they speaking in all these languages? We can understand them in our own tongue. So that was for the benefit and the sake of others. 
And then the most dominant use of the gift of tongues, and we had a talk with our daughter. She was trying to explain to some of her friends because they know we're pastors. And people are like intrigued. Okay, what is tongues? That just sounds weird to me. And so then Alyssa was trying to explain to a friend of hers named Ben, and then he's listening. I don't get it. And then finally she says, well, you know, it's the angel. It's the language of angels. God can give you a language that uh, you don't understand, but it actually is still saying something. He goes, oh, it's uh, Jesus scatting is what he called it. Like, uh, like Ella Fitzgerald when she does scat. So, oh, yeah, okay, it's just Jesus scat. That's what he called it. <laughs> But, you know, it says the main use of tongues is for what? The person who speaks in tongues builds himself up. What are you building yourself up for? To serve others well. You know? Are you building yourself up for your own sake? Not normally. Hey, Lord, I'm in the weeds. I don't have the wisdom that I need. I know I've got this gift of tongues. I'm going to quietly pray in the Spirit. And I I, I, I want to show hands on this one. So for those of you who are tongue talkers, and by the way, I want to have a service this next month or two that is about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and is about getting infilled and letting the Holy Spirit, you know, reveal himself, fill us the way he wants. And if people aren't speaking in tongues, come on, baby, I want you to be able to by the end of that service because I need to get built up. I know how often I'm in the weeds. And so uh, how many times have, if you're a tongue talker, and again, I'm going to ask for a show of hands, how many times did you not have the wisdom you needed and you started to quietly pray in tongues and within a few moments, oh, I could do this. Show of hands. See, look at that. It's amazing. What a valuable gift. But in almost every case, it's because I want to know how to respond to something that's in front of me for somebody else's sake. And by the way, God loves to answer those questions for our sake as well. I'm not saying that. But if you want to touch on the third rail of power, have your heart positioned to operate in whatever gift is, you know, for the welfare of that other person. The last list is Ephesians 4.11, and this is what puts the church upside down, opposite of a Fortune 500 company, when we're talking about now the office gifts from Jesus, and uh, 4.11, come on, I've done this passage before. All right, it's in the New Testament, I think. So, um, and it talks, uh, for he who descended is the one who also ascended above all of heaven that he might fulfill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers for what? To equip the saints. You're there, every one of those office gifts that takes at times years to develop the maturity and the... uh, equipping that you need to do it right and the character to do it out of the right heart you've got this office gift whether it's an apostle who gathers other leaders together and focuses around a specific kingdom purpose or whether it's a prophet who now is in an office by the way he's not there to be the one to give everybody the word he's there to raise up other people who know how to give words a prophet is there to raise up other mature seasoned people and evangelists for the unbelievers the shepherds for the the flock and the the church, and then teachers to teach the word of God in a compelling way for what? To serve others, that they come into knowing the word of God. It was so sweet. Uh, Deidre's dad has joined our men's group. And so on Thursday, we had this intense discussion about forgiveness. And it was so rooted just in the basic teachings of scripture. And Arnie was just like, I've learned so much. 
I mean, it was wonderful to see his reaction because we were talking about just regular, the centrality of the Christian message. The whole reason Jesus came to earth was for what? The forgiveness of sin for mankind to be reconciled to the... You can't be reconciled to a father and still be walking in your sin that, that hasn't found any healing, any redemption, any... Uh, anyway, you understand. So that, that teaching gift was very profound, but the church is actually opposite of the world in that we're an upside-down pyramid. And the greatest in the kingdom are going to be the ones who use that office and that gifting and that motivation that you have for lifting others up into what God has called them to do till we all come into the knowledge and the fullness of who Jesus is, right? Who? So, as we're wrapping up for my first ending, um, I, I found a verse that harmonizes all of this, and then I want to challenge you. So, <laughs> Ephesians 6, 7, this is fresh bread. I, I can still smell it, but, you know, it, it's, it's like it was made in a bread cooker. Have you guys ever done that? You had a bread cooker that starts bread in the morning, and then when you come downstairs before you've done anything, that smell of fresh bread, oh man, it makes a house a home. Well, the Word of God is like that for me sometimes. I'll, read, I'll be reading it like this verse, and it'll be like, oh, wow, it, my, this house that I have with the Lord right now has become home. Because he's just um, nourished me in such a sweet way. So Ephesians 6, 7 says, With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Wow! With what? Goodwill. What does that mean? For the sake of the other person. You have a covenant relationship with God. And God then gives you a covenant relationship with the person right in front of you to do things for their welfare, for their benefit, for their best. If you're in a good place, you're not counting the cost. You're not getting defensive. You're not feeling resentful. You're able to have goodwill toward that other person. And then you begin to serve out of the giftings God has put in your life, the empowerment he's rested on you, out of the resources that he's given you. It's so incredibly practical. But then... Does this help anybody else? As I was thinking about all this, God awakened in me a hunger to even serve with excellence because, Lord, what if you imagine that person in front of you? You're going to treat them like they really are Jesus. I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. So what if everything you did, if you're at home and you put on an iPod and you're listening to a worship song and you're pouring your little heart out, what if you imagine, wait, I'm doing this as under the Lord. Jesus is here with me, which, by the way, he is. It's not a vain imagination. It is a spiritual reality. So then the act of kindness and service and meeting a need and bearing a burden, you're actually doing it as unto the Lord. What does that do for your heart? Wow. Is, is that, does that land with anybody else? Thank you, Kimberly. Okay, I got one. Thank you, Jesus. All I need is one. How? Oh, so here's the tricky part. And honestly, I want to be able to serve and just pray for whatever the need may be. And I have a sense of it and ex expectation of anticipation. Um, who? I want to provoke you 
if I can. I want you to think of practical ways that you could serve each other. We've been talking a lot about this family is getting bigger, and it is. There are going to be more people in the seats. And so whether we're going to offer to buy people a cup of coffee, to go out to lunch, to get something for them out in our little food service area, um, I, I rattled off a whole bunch of different areas. Um, and guys, we need people to serve, not for abiding place sake. We need people to serve for their own sake and to do it with excellence, with goodwill toward others because of others see it as a demonstration of love. It is the practical expression of the overflow. That, and Jesus came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. So we're actually identifying with the one that we say we're walking with. So uh, let's do this. As you've been passive long enough, um, I'd like you guys to begin to shout out an area that you know that when you have served in that area, it has uh, motivated you, it has enriched you, it, there was a momentum to an area of service. I'm not going to hold you accountable to now, now you got to do it, and now you're in charge of this ministry and that. But I want you to think, even in practical ways, that's why I shared communion with Lori preparing communion for us, with me preparing her coffee. It can be that simple, but if you're doing it with the right heart, man, people know. They feel honored. They feel blessed. So, somebody, what's an area of service that you know energizes you? What? Massage? Amen. Yeah, that's an incredible area of service. I, okay, I'm going to... So, I... I what? What, Melody? Teaching Sunday school. Yeah, okay. Um, this isn't an endorsement, so I'm a little reluctant, but Angie said massage. And you remember I, I said that there isn't that separation between secular and sacred? Well, Lori was doing books for Angie for a while and kind of built up enough of a credit that I, uh, Lori said, hey, Charlie, you can go in for a massage. I thought back rub. So, oh, that'll be nice. Be very relaxing. I'll just sit there. Little did I know it was a medical massage. And... Uh, but I hadn't told Lori, three months before then, I started to get a dull, constant ache in my hip, and it would wake me up at night. It wasn't, I could walk, but it was uncomfortable, and the pain was strong enough that it would wake me up. And then I finally just decided, well, I must be getting arthritis, so I'll just walk on it as long as I can, and then I'm going to need hip replacement in my 60s probably, and bummer for me, but I don't want Lori stressing about it. It was weird. So then I go see Angie. One visit. And she's like, oh, hey, by the way, your hip, it's rotated this way and it's rotated out that way. It's like my legs, like, you know. And so Angie, like, bloop, gets it all back in. And then she spends the next 50 minutes rubbing every muscle that was in spasm. I'm like, this is not a back rub. What's going on? You know. I left her office. And by the way, this always tells me if my hips are out or not. My feet were pointing forward again. It's like, whoa, whose feet are those? Because when I'm out, I walk like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> I really do. The pain was gone. It never came back. That is a gift that Angie does to serve other people, and God gets the glory for it. Come on. I mean, I was amazed. I, I already cut a deal for a hip replacement. How? Yeah. Right?
You mean God. Yeah, okay. You can even say Jesus in this place. It's all right. You won't? <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. What, what? Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. And anybody else? What, what, what's, what's another area of service that somebody knows really uh, energizes you? Yeah, Marcy. Work? What kind of work? Driving for other people. Well, baby, let me refer you to Uber. But anyway, I get a spiff. Anyone else? Yeah. What? Praying in the Spirit for people? Intercession. Yeah, I won't tell you because I... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to share it with you all because I don't trust you, but the Lord was talking to me about intercession earlier today, so you have to wonder what he was talking about now. Go ahead. Well, I want to challenge you guys. This is actually homework. I want you to just sit with the Lord and ask him, Lord, what area of service can I engage in that I know you're going to anoint, that I know is going to help your people, it's going to build your kingdom, that's going to serve others. And Lord, let me do it with goodwill toward the person I'm serving. Let me grow in the grace of serving that you can know the humility that Jesus walked in. Show me one place where Jesus lorded over anybody when he already had all authority and all power available to him. And give us that same kind of heart as we serve. And guys, just get creative, you know. Don't think cliche. Okay, Charlie, great. Now am I going to volunteer for usher ministry? If that's what God tells you, do it, because that's an amazing way to serve. But in Timothy, I'm going to, I'll end on this. I'm, not, I'm only going to refer to it. But it talks about deacons, and I think it's Timothy chapter 4. And it says that, you know, you're to allow the deacons to serve, and those who have served well find boldness in their faith. People who learn to serve to trust God in their service, who do it out of goodwill and the right heart, their faith grows. I've seen God be faithful. I've seen God move in my life. I've seen God touch other people. And do it again, God! I want to serve more because I've seen success in serving as unto the Lord. That's a good word right there. Whoa, that was worth waiting for, see? You were wondering, what's that? First uh, Timothy 4. Is talking about deacons. Oh, so I, I'll have a second ending now. And um, I, re- I remember the early days of driving for Uber since we started with that story. And occasionally we meet people who are just overwhelmed, stressed out. I had a single mom who had three kids. She lived in deep Clackamas County. Her daycare was in downtown and she was working in Troutdale. And she didn't have a car. And so she's in my car. And I picked her up that day, and she goes, well, I'm on my two-week probation. I think I'm getting fired today. So I was just like, oh, man, you poor thing. I couldn't. And I'm pretty sure the majority, maybe 80% of her income was going toward child care. That's a rough spot. 
And I know this doesn't sound like much, but we have those opportunities. We've had other opportunities. So, you know, it's like, Lord, I want to do this with excellence. So I went out and I, I, I have one now. I keep gift cards in the center console of my car. And when somebody's having a terrible, lousy, rotten, no good day, I'll go, man, I'm really sorry for what you're going through. Sometimes I offer to pray, but, you know, I, I hope this can help out a little bit, and I'll just give them a gift card. And they will look at me like, what is going on? I've always wanted to see the look on their face because their gift card is almost always worth more than their ride was. And it's like, well, how does that work? It works pretty good. You know, it works good for me. You know, I love that. And by the way, I've been blessed by some of you in this room when I mention that, hey, I get this opportunity to do this pay it forward kind of thing. I've had people unsolicited every time. And I've had riders unsolicited go, hey, Here's some money. Go buy a gift card for me and find the right person to give it to. If people know there's a practical way to serve that's actually going to help somebody, most people really want to. You just need to find the thing that you know is going to work. Amen? So I'm accepting donations now for my gift cards. (laughs) I'm really not, so it's okay. Don't be scared. Oh, so let's just, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. Jesus, you came to serve each and every one of us. And you served in the most amazing way possible. You laid down your life to restore back to us a relationship with an extravagant, loving, heavenly Father. You couldn't have done a greater act of service for all of mankind than you possibly did. And it's your very nature, it's your DNA to only desire to serve others and to see them benefit, to have goodwill toward all that you encountered here on earth. And I believe by the power of your spirit, you want to awaken in our hearts that same desire because we are already okay. We are right with you. We are already sons and daughters. And so, Lord, out of a place of wholeness, mature and secure, we can purpose to serve others in their practical needs, in their emotional needs, their physical needs, Whatever areas of service you want to awaken in our hearts, I ask for spiritual, Holy Spirit goggles right now for everybody to see needs now that they would have ignored before and to have an excitement to give out that gift card, to give that massage, to teach in a a different setting or situation, to, to work and drive others to where they need to go the way Lori and I do and Marcy does. God, whatever it is for each one here, let us not just passively say that we know the greatest in the kingdom are those who come to serve. But Lord, help us position ourselves to be one of those people who genuinely loves and serves others for their welfare and benefit. And so Lord, I just thank you for this message. I thank you for this word, myself personally. And I thank you for the hearts that you're touching even now to awaken in our hearts to be a loving, serving, kind people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if somebody would run up and put on the background worship music i want to make myself available to serve you angie's first though because she asked for prayer for her shoulder Ho! but if you have a need i just i believe we're touching on the heart of what jesus wants for all of us and you know when he's in the room good things happen and so uh and angie's fleeing the building so so, okay (laughs) well god bless you all i hope you have a wonderful sunday and